F-R-Y, everyone, and happy birthday. Thank you for promising that you won't make a flood ever again. So that's one. Okay, this one, dear Jesus, thank you for serving, serving, or um, saving us from our sins. I would, I would want my parents to get me a phone, please. <laughs> Tell my parents, thank you for giving me food and clothes and my parents. R.S. or P.S., I think. Happy birthday. I don't know if I should say the name. You can see the name? Okay. Kylie Listic. All right, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Got to get a phone for Christmas. And then um, this one's from Evelyn Proudfoot. Dear, dear Jesus... Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth for all the people on earth and for letting, I think it's Cece, letting Cece have baby kittens and for my sister, Audrey, and my mom and my dad and my two bunnies, Pellets and Rose, and everybody else I missed. Love, Evelyn Proudfoot. So, pretty awesome. It, it's definitely, yeah, you can give him a hand. It's definitely that time. That time of year for sure, and um, I've got a whole stack of those, so throughout this Christmas season, we'll be, we'll be reading some more of those, but a few other quick announcements, just so you know that tomorrow night is the, I think, the, the Women's Ornament Exchange, so uh, that, that's, a, that's a 6.30 tomorrow night, so one of those, it's a great opportunity to bring family and friends to, if you're a lady, and um, they'll be here at 6.30, so... Um, and then also next week is what would be traditionally our Christmas pro children's Christmas program. So the, um, uh, Grace O'Brien has been working with the, the kids, and she's prepared a bunch of songs and some scripture readings. So that's next week. So if you have a family that would like to come and see their, their, their grandkids or, or nieces and nephews sing, that that's a good time for that. So uh, that's next week. Let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, and we recognize our ability to be here is um, because it's a gift from you. You give us life, you give us breath, and uh, we know that um, every day is, is, is a gift, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to be together, and uh, may you be honored this morning as we, as we look to you and to your word in this special time of year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in, uh, we're just going to stop from the one anothering series that we've been in for the last month or month and a half, and we're going to talk Christmas story for the next number of weeks up until Christmas Eve service, which by the way, I don't know if you saw that our Christmas Eve signs are out in town, and that is one of our um, most attended services of the year, is our Christmas Eve service, and so um, it's a great opportunity. A number of you that are here now, your first time ever coming to the church was at a Christmas Eve service, so... That's, that's always fun, but uh, that's coming up um, on Christmas Eve, surprisingly enough. So, Christmas Eve, but uh, anyway, Christmas, I don't know if you know this, but there's 17 days until Christmas, which means there's two, 272 hours and roughly 16,320 minutes until Christmas, which means you have that much time to... Get done all of the things that you need to before Christmas. All of your presents, which I'm sure most of you have already bought. Um, wrap all those presents, go to those parties, or plan those parties. And there's quite a bit left to do. And I don't know about you, but I definitely feel the, the rush of this 
season that we have, the rush of the holiday season. And that wasn't so different than what it was like the, the very first Christmas. Um, back, we, we see that story, it starts in, in Luke chapter 2. And um, at that time, I'll, I'll kind of fast forward to the middle of Luke chapter 2, there's the shepherds. And the shepherds decide they're going to go see baby Jesus, Joseph and Mary, and they go and find, find them in Bethlehem. In their excitement, they then go out and they begin to tell all the townspeople about the miracle of the Savior being born. And then it comes to this verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, which says this, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So while the, the, the people are hustling and bustling and excited and wondering what's going on and all of these different things, Mary is taking the moment to pause um, and to ponder uh, the, the, the miracle which is the, the coming of the Savior through her. And this word ponder is a, is, is, is a word and it's a concept that I think is lost in our ever fast-moving paced culture. But when we talk about pondering, that word is a really interesting word. It actually, if, if you, it comes from like a word picture of royalty. If royalty was to leave their, their palace and go get into their carriage, and then they were to take that carriage to wherever they were going to go, they would have their servants go out and ponder the roads, which means that those servants would go out and find rocks that were in the path, and they would pick those rocks up, and they would move them out of the way, or they would find sticks that were in the road or logs, and they would pick those logs up and move them out of the way. They would ponder the road, which meant that that chariot or that carriage could go from point A to point B without running into um, any obstacles or popping a tire or poking a hole in the oil pan or breaking a horse's ankle, those kinds of things. Um, and it also would mean that they could get from those places safer and more efficiently. So, pondering. And uh, it's an important process. It's something that's brought up also in the Proverbs, Proverbs 4, 26, and it says this, ponder the path of your feet, then all of your ways will be sure. Ponder the path of your feet, and all of your ways will be sure. Basically, it's saying think upon your life, think about your life, think about the things that you're facing, ponder them, meditate on them, pray about them so that the obstacles in life are able to be moved out of the way and you're able to get to where you're wanting to go or where the Lord is directing you and, and leading you. And, and I think if we're honest for us, many of us, the struggles that we face, and some of those struggles really become acute this time of year, come because of the fact that we move so quickly, we oftentimes make decisions or speak words or have actions that are done in haste and not done out of a place of reflection or a place of pondering. And so as we come kind of to this season, the goal is really that we would ponder. We find ourselves at the beginning of the Christmas season and we get to ponder the significance of this time. And specifically today, we're going to talk about pondering how significant just one moment in time can be. How significant one moment. So I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about timing and how important timing is to everything in our lives, right? Timing is incredibly important. For example, do you plant tomatoes in November? Hopefully not. Uh, do you go out and paint your house in a snowstorm in the middle of January? Probably not. Do you go hunting elk in the middle of May? Not legally you don't. 
You go swimming in Lake Merwin in February? Probably not. And the reason you don't do those things is because it's not the right time. There is a right time for each of those things, but those dates aren't the right time. Just like it's not the right time to start a diet the day before Thanksgiving. That wouldn't be very smart. Or maybe it is the right time to start a diet, but it wouldn't be very successful, I don't think. Um, Same thing, I love sports. Timing in sports is so significant. And as you know, the Seahawks, who are in first place in in our division, um, when Russell Wilson goes to throw a football to his favorite receiver, Tyler, Tyler Lockett, his timing has to be perfect. If it's a little too fast, a little too quick, or a little too slow, it's either going to be an incomplete pass or it's going to be an interception. The timing has to be perfect. Same thing with a, an alley-oop from Damian Lillard to our Carmelo Anthony, right? Timing has to be perfect or it's not going to go over well. My, my grandma was one of the people, along with my dad, to teach me to play golf. And as a young kid, I wanted to... As a, and as a guy, you just want to hit the ball as hard and as far as you possibly can. And so I was playing with Grandma one time. I still very specifically can see myself on the course with her, and I am trying to crush the ball. And she finally says, Billy, it's not about how hard you hit it. It's about your timing. Don't worry about swinging so hard. Get your timing down. And if your timing's down, you're going to hit it not just far, but you're going to hit it where you want to go. And of course, as a young man, I didn't really listen to that advice. I still tried to crush the ball. And I would hit three times as far as grandma. And yet she would beat me by a ton of strokes because she always hit it right down the fairway. Not as far, but straight every time because her timing was right and, and mine wasn't. So timing is important. If you even think of just a minute of time, if you've ever tried to catch an airplane, right? Try to catch a plane and, and you're a minute late shutting the doors and that plane takes off, you know how important that is. Or if you have, for example... If you have uh, preschoolers, how important it is one moment in time, keeping your eyes on them. If you turn your head for just one moment, what could happen? A lot of things could happen. Or if you grew up in my household, my dad would give me a curfew. And he would say, let's say it's 10 o'clock. He would say, Bill, your curfew is 10 o'clock. It's not 10.01. If you're here at 10.01, you're going to be grounded for a month. So don't try, don't no excuses. Not, not 10.01, 10 o'clock. Because a, a minute, especially if you were in my household, makes a huge difference. Robert Withy, one of, one of the men from our church, he was in his office here a few weeks ago, and he happened to notice um, a coworker in the lunch hour that was, looked like he was in distress. Well, he was choking on a big hunk of ravioli, and he couldn't breathe. And he was starting to turn colors. And Robert grabbed him and did the Heimlich and literally saved his life. And what would have been like if he hadn't been there for just one more minute? The outcome could have been a lot different. And I guess the point is this. The the point is that one moment in time, even one 60-second interval, can make or break and make a difference in your world, the rest of your world. So, So again, our theme this year is Advent and pondering the miracle of Christmas and It's really easy, isn't it, to get all wrapped up in this time of year and miss the beauty of the miracle of Christmas because things move so quickly. But the challenge here this morning as well as through this season is to spend some time focusing on the moments that we have, the significance specifically of each of those moments, the significance of the moment of Christ's birth. Look at Galatians 4. It's kind of our theme verse. It says, But when the time came to completion, God sent forth His Son. He sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
significant. Galatians 4.4, 4, at just the right time, right? At just the right time, God sent his son. Which leads to the first point here. First point in your notes, if you're taking notes, he came at the right moment. Christ came at the right moment in time. This past week, sitting in staff meeting, we always share our prayer requests. And uh, my prayer request was, you know, I, I've got the sermon for this week. It's done, but I don't feel like it's complete. I, I feel like, you know, every, all the words are on the page, but it's just not ready to preach yet. And I don't know why that is. I just kind of have that feeling in my spirit that it's not done. And so the staff prayed for me in, in the preparation. And it wasn't even an hour after that meeting. And I'm in another meeting and, and I'm having a conversation. And the, the topic of the conversation is dealing with, um, with difficult people and specifically how hard it is when, when people that you're dealing with don't seem to get or see the problem that you see so clearly. And, and then that causes a, a rift in, in that relationship. And, and what came out of that meeting, or in the midst of that meeting, one of the things that was talked about, well, it would be really, it, it, we kind of know in dealing with people, at some point in time, most likely they're going to get it. And once they do, after they get it, maybe that relationship can, can be harmonized again. At just that moment where that conversation is taking place, at just that moment, um, our office administrator, Carrie, who's awesome, who's playing the piano today, she pokes her head into the meeting, which she normally wouldn't do that unless it's an emergency or her family's calling. And so she pokes her head in, she walks up to me, and she just puts a sticky note with, with a name on it and puts it in front of me. And I got the goosebumps, and I just felt like the arms of the Holy Spirit wrapped around me because it came at that moment. I recognized that name, and I, I had to excuse myself for a moment from that meeting I was in, and I got up and I walked out. And as I walked out there, I see him. This is an old friend. Well, I haven't spoken with him in two years because we had a falling out. And in my pre-meeting that I was just in, I wasn't even talking about him. He wasn't even in my mind. But there he is standing in all of his motorcycle leathers. We didn't say a thing, but we just walked up and embraced. Guys can do that. It was an awkwardly long embrace, but it was an important one. Um, it was a healing embrace at that moment. And I'm thinking, man, <laughs> the timing of this is pretty amazing. That I'm having that conversation in that, that, that meeting. I had asked for the the staff to pray for the sermon to be finalized, and then this person walks in at this moment. I'll come back to the context of that in just a moment, but that's one of the things Scripture talks about. When, when the time came to completion, God sent His Son. There was this long period of silence between the Old and the New Testaments, where all people were expecting a Messiah to come. But sadly, when Christ did come, they missed the reality of the fact that he was this, this Savior, this, this Redeemer that was coming. They, they weren't giving attention to the child. They were looking out and looking beyond for, for many of them. But, but at just the right time, at just the right time, Jesus was born. The coming of Christ into this world wasn't a matter of chance. It wasn't a matter of coincidence. It was at the perfect time 
It was part of God's divine plan established before even the foundations of the world. Like Carrie mentioned earlier, there was some 600 years between that passage in Isaiah and the, and the coming of, of Christ. So historians will tell us that the Roman world was in great expectation. They were in great expectation of the coming of Christ. All the old religions that were taking place, those old religions were dying, and there were these new kind of mysterious religions that were coming up, but the reality of the people at this time was that religious bankruptcy and spiritual hunger was at its peak. Religious bankruptcy and spiritual hungry, hunger was everywhere, and it kind of sounds like today as well, it seems like in our world. But God was preparing the world for the arrival of his son, Christ. At just the right time, at just the right time, God sent his son. I want to challenge you to think about your own life. Think about your own life. For those of you who have received Christ as your Savior, think back to that time when you did that. I'm guessing he probably came at just the right moment, didn't he? He came at just the right moment. But not only did he come at just the right moment, he also provides at the right moment. He comes at the right moment, but when he comes, he brings what is needed. Far, far, far too many people are, are content to go through the motions. They'll, they'll endure the busyness of activity of this season without ever really truly experiencing and pondering the miracle of Christmas and the miracle of what Christmas is all about. But the great news is, and hopefully you're getting this theme as it's going to be said time and time again, is that, that Christ came at just the right moment and he provided what humanity needed and what we need at, at the right moment. Look at some scriptures here. Psalms 145.15 says this, All eyes look to you and, give you and you give them their food at the proper time. Psalms 104.27 says, All of them wait for you to give them their food at the right time. Deuteronomy 11, I will provide rain for your land in the proper time. The autumn and the spring rains and you will harvest your grain, new wine and oil. God knows exactly what we're going through. He knows exactly what we're going through and at just the right time he comes. He, he comes and he provides exactly what is needed at that time moment because his timing is always perfect back to this illustration with this friend that i just reconciled with and and speaking of how that timing was perfect and it brought provision for both of us um, i couldn't finish my time with him at that moment because i had to get back to my other meeting we set up a coffee appointment for the following morning and we got together and we started with just kind of some small talk but quickly it was just too awkward and i just said what happened you know, what happened? I mean, we were, were so close as friends, and then it seems like you stopped answering my phone calls, and uh, you just seemed to fall off the face of the earth. And, and so he was, he was gracious enough to share that, and this is what he told me about myself. He said, I felt like, Bill, you were starting to distance yourself from me that you were, you were starting to um, put this, this barrier between us. And that hurt, and so the only thing I could do was just kind of back away and get out of the picture. If I don't have to think about it, it's no big deal. And, and um, when he used that word distance himself, um, I realized he was exactly right. 
I had distanced myself from him. And, and so at that moment, I was able to tell him, I didn't realize he knew that I was distancing myself. I just, it was just an emotional distance. We were still physically around one another. But you see, my friend, he, he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus, but he hates the church, the, the church. And something he would often say when talking about the church, he would point to people and talk about pew sitters. And he would occasionally pop in here and he was uncomfortable. And then after the fact, when we would talk, he would be critical of you and of anybody who attends a church or is part of a church. And so I told him at at this meeting on, on Thursday that, you know, you're right. I distanced myself and I need to tell you why. I distanced myself because these are the people that, that I'm called to love and I do love. In the same way that if someone talked bad about my wife or my children, I would distance myself from them. And it's the same thing with my church family. And when you point at a person and you say, you know, look at those pew sitters, you have no clue. I know that that person was in a hospital visiting someone this past week. I know that that person's at youth groups serving. I know that that person is in a, in, a, in a struggling marital relationship and they're calling on the Lord to give them strength. And you can just flippantly look at the people that I'm called to love and you're called to love and blanketly call them pew sitters. And, um, and so at this point in time, he's crying and I won't admit to crying, but, <laughs> but this is going on. And, and, I, and so I said to him, I said, I'm so sorry that I didn't tell you this back then. I'm sorry that I just started to distance myself and I didn't communicate that to you. And he said this, and this is where this comes in. He says, it's probably good you didn't. Because two years ago, I couldn't have heard it. Two years ago, I wasn't ready. But this last week, God wouldn't let me sleep. And he kept putting the, the loneliness that I had been feeling, this is him speaking, so front and center in my life. And I realized that I had done this because of my critical spirit. And so hearing you say this now affirms what I know God is trying to tell me. And, and so the point there is he said, even if I would have said it, he wouldn't have got it. I still should have said it back then regardless. That was my, my bad my fault in this, but he said he wouldn't have been able to hear it. And, and I just think that that's how God works. It's how God works. God comes to us, and at times, he's, he's, he's pricking at our heart, trying to get our attention, but maybe our heart's hard, or maybe we have different walls or resistance that are up, and we're not really willing to hear what he has to say. But no difference. He still comes at just the right time. And he continues to come at just the right time. Romans 5 says this. It should be 5, 6. It says this. For while we were still helpless, some of your translations may say without strength or weak or powerless, but for while we were still helpless, at the appointed time, at the right time, at the right moment, Christ died for us, for the ungodly. And that's perfect. It's such an encouragement because when is it that we need a miracle in our life? When is it that we need saving, rescuing, love in our life? Normally it's when we are 
most bankrupt, when we're at our greatest need, when we're, we're absolutely void of hope, or we're just kind of going through the motions. But it's at that point in time where God comes and provides what we need at just the right moment. When we're utterly helpless, he comes and meets us. And that leads to the third, the third progression here is that he says that now is the right time. Right now is the right moment. It's the right moment, here and now. It can seem like we're always waiting. We're always waiting for the, the right moment to make that phone call or the right moment to, to reach out to someone or the right moment to step up and serve or step up and, and lead. We're waiting for the right moment to come and, and make a commitment to Christ with our life. We're waiting for this right moment and what we see here, and the fact that we're here this Christmas season, what we need to recognize is that right now is the right moment. Right now is the right moment. If we wait for just the right moment, that right moment may end up missing us. Second Corinthians 6 says this, I heard you. I heard you in an acceptable time, at the right time, and I helped you in the day of salvation. Look. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now, right now, is the right time. Now, right now, is the right time, because God's time is, is perfect, to step out and make a commitment to Christ, to give your life to him. Right now is that time. Mark 1.15 says this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Now is the right time for that. This is the Christmas season. This is what it's all about. It's all about the birth of a Savior, but the purpose of the birth of the Savior is so that he could come and he could live a perfect life, end up dying a horrific death so that we might have eternal life. Now is the right time to make a commitment to Christ. If you've made a commitment to Christ, maybe now is the right time to commit yourself to him again. Maybe now is the right time to commit yourself to membership in our church. Maybe now is the right time to recommit your marriage to God. Maybe now is the right time to recommit your, your family or your parenting to Him. Maybe now is just simply the right time to, to renew your, your fellowship and your intimacy with the Lord. Because one moment in time, one moment in time can make an eternal difference. One moment in time, one, one, one breath, one second in time can make an eternal difference. And some people will say, well, I want to do the God thing when I'm on my deathbed. And we just experienced this with someone that many of you know because he was a pillar in our community for a long time, Charlie Swift. And Charlie said that. He wanted to, he was going to wait until he was on his deathbed and then he would do that God stuff. The great thing is he did. He did. I had a gift, my wife and I, in one of his very last, last lucid moments, we were standing back, and his kids and his grandkids and family were there surrounded by, um, surrounding him around the bed, and they sung a song to him. It was, Jesus Loves Me. And if you could have just seen his countenance, a man that is right near death, his countenance come alive, his eyes well up, and him uttering the words. This is someone who couldn't speak very well, and he was under a pain medication, but he speaks up, and, and the, the room was glowing. It really was. It was fun to watch. 
And he sang that song, and he, he, he had earlier professed his commitment to Christ and given his life to Christ in his deathbed. And we're thankful for that because we're going to spend eternity with him because of that. But not everybody is that lucky. Not everybody's that lucky. And what God is saying to us through his word, through the Christmas story, is that now is the right time. Now is the right time to respond to his love for you. It's the right time. So if you've, never, if you've never committed your life to Christ Jesus before as receiving him as your Lord and Savior, I challenge you, I'd like to invite you to make that commitment to him today in this Christmas season. Because this moment right now can change your life, certainly, but more importantly, it changes your eternity by giving your heart and your life to him. The right time. Is it the right time? I could just say, yes, it is. Now is the right time. Now is the right time for that miracle. So if you'd like this morning, as you're sitting where you're at, here in the overflow room, if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I just ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. Would you you bow with me? I'll have the worship team come up to close us in a song. Dear God, I don't want to live one more moment without you. I ask your forgiveness for my sins, for not recognizing your great love for me. I believe Jesus is your son who left heaven and came to earth to die on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose from the dead and is alive today. He came at just the right time, just for me. Today I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sin, cleanse me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose in this moment to receive the greatest gift ever given, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I trust that some of you prayed that prayer, and if you did, I'd like you to let someone know about it me or someone you're sitting next to or someone um, in your life that you've made that commitment. And for those of you who have made that commitment in the past, but there might be somewhere else where you recognize now is the right moment to walk in closer fellowship with Christ, or now is the right moment to seek reconciliation in that relationship, or now is the right time to, to dedicate again your, your marriage relationship or your family relationships to the Lord, I challenge you to make that commitment because now is the right time. Don't wait for the next moment. Make that that commitment now.